Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Whether you're a seasoned kayak angler or just dipping your toes into this exhilarating world, join us on the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. It's time to reel in adventure, camaraderie, and the joy of the catch. Here's your host, Darren Wendell. All right, guys. Welcome to podcast episode 5-0. I can't believe it's been 50th episode we started last october and so it's pretty excited i'm excited about this it's kind of a milestone for us uh welcome to the kfo podcast kayak fishing obsessed brought to you by the wendell fishing youtube channel guys if you love kayak fishing if you're if you're listening to this for the first time coming in from spotify or apple head over to at wendell fishing and over 900 videos on the subject of kayak fishing and if you do happen to stop by leave a message uh, i love responding to those if you're not live and you're one of those out there listening in, maybe working on the kayak, out fishing, driving to and from work, whatever it is, whatever you're doing, I'd love to hear from you. Every week I get people who reach out to me, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. It's like, hey, I listen to you on the podcast and I just love connecting with you. So please, if that's you, I'd love to hear from you. Guys, we have a great pipeline of guests coming up tonight. We have Nate Goodwin from Indiana. Uh, we got Matt's fishing mission on the docket. We got mainstream fishing coming up as well. Um, we got Bass Fishing HQ at the beginning of January, and I'm continuing to reach out. So if there's anybody, especially if you're live right now, if there's anybody you want to see on the show and I have never had on the show, throw that in the comment section and well, I'll see what I can do. Hey, all I can do is ask. I've asked a lot of people to be on the show. A lot of people get back to me. Some people don't. But uh, hey, there might be some people out there I just don't know about so this is a recorded and interactive podcast so if you are live interact folks uh we'd love to answer any questions that you have but tonight we are going to get tactical and i love these type of shows i love where they go uh, we're going to take a deep dive on offshore kayak fishing and we're going to talk about cranking and uh, we're going to talk about some shallow water power fishing and we are going to do this with nate goodwin welcome to the show brother how you doing I'm doing good. Thanks for scrambling it back from class, uh, making it just in time. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I, uh, yeah, I totally forgot we had class tonight and I was just like, oh, am I going to make it? But it's all good. What, what class is you, you taking? This is like for, uh, I'm in, um, the IBW, uh, electricians union and, okay. uh, I'm a fourth year apprentice. So still got okay. another year or so to go, but you know. nice. Well, it kind of makes sense now because I was looking at, I was watching your video today on your uh, new canoe and okay. I was like, oh, sweet. You have all your lights, your battery box is spot on. You have all these, you know, flicker lights, you ran all your wires. And I was like, all right, all right. Yep. I'm thinking about uh, making my own kind of battery setup for my 24 volts, um, oh, 60 sweet. amp hour. And so we might have to talk afterwards. Anyway, it's not going to go down that yeah. rabbit hole. I did pick up an NK 180 from Newport. Uh, on Black Friday, they oh, got seven hundred bucks, and so I'll be powering my Bonafide with that. But oh, awesome! I just don't want to buy a thousand dollar battery when I can make one for five hundred. So yeah, yeah, yep, I hear that. But uh, enough about that. Tell me about you. I noticed I was looking at your YouTube. Like y- you posted your first fishing video like nine years ago. It doesn't seem like you spent a lot of time on YouTube. I found you through Instagram. So a lot of times when I ask people to be on the show, it's yep. because the Instagram or something in YouTube keeps pitching me their videos. And that's how I found you. And then I heard, I found out that you're connected with Fishing with Gramps and, and Grubby and Indiana and your neighbor, because I'm in Ohio. So tell me your story of the start of fishing and, and why did you decide to start filming it? Yeah, I, I uh, always, as a kid, I was like obsessed uh, with fishing. I just, I, you know, my dad took me fishing when I was young. And then I just, I got this, um, it was like a three and a half pounder on a popper and it was right at the bank and I just saw it come up and just engulf this popper. And so since then I've just been obsessed, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, that video, I think I was fishing on the bank, right. Or something in that oh, yeah. video. Yeah. And, uh, I think I was like using my phone or something, but I've been always wanting to make some YouTube stuff, you know, cause you catch a big one or you have a good tournament and you're like, oh, I wish I had that on, you know, video. 
And so, uh, what was it last year? I think I finally, or whenever I go to YouTube, uh, yeah, a GoPro. And, uh, so I, just since then I've been wearing a chesty and just, you know, sometimes you get good content. Sometimes you don't like, I give it to any like YouTuber that has consistent content. It is so hard. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to make a video of some, like if I go out and catch like five fish, you know, like five small ones, like, no, and I'm not going to put that up. It's boring. When I, when I first got started, um, that was one of the frustrations. Cause you're like, okay, just like that. I'll go out, you, you'll catch five fish. You're like, I can't use any of that. They're all dinks and no one wants yeah. to me catch five dinks but you can catch <laughs> monsters every time you go out and you're like, holy crap, is this, is this thing even going to work? And right. then you stick with it, you figure it out and you dial it in you start getting B footage and then you start utilizing it in that way. But man, it could be tough starting out for sure. So oh, absolutely. And I'm not like great at editing. I have a hard time, like, cause it takes so long just to like cut clips and whatever. So yeah, I'm you gotta, working on it. You gotta, you gotta love that part of it too. Yeah. Um, and usually those who are anglers, like the whole, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, fish and you catch and you get rewarded. It's similar with YouTube. You create content, yeah. people are interested in watching it. You get that endorphin rush. Um, but it, it, until you dial it in, if you're first starting out, it's brutal. And then eventually you get 10 times faster. And it's like, boom, I could pop out a video from right. shooting to finish in like three hours. Uh, I'm hoping I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> you can get there. It, 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 <laughs> but uh, I don't mind. I don't mind it. It's kind of fun. Hickman, yeah. uh, JT is like, I hate editing. And 5% fishing, 95% <laughs> editing. Yep. Yeah. Sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> no, it really is. And like, like going back to like when I was like a kid, like I can still, re it's wild how you can still remember like fish that you've caught, like, like your PB that you caught at Gunnersville. You'll remember that forever. Yes. And I'm like, so that was the whole reason why I, I was like, I have to get a GoPro. And, um, cause when I was a kid, I, I fished tournaments, like when I was like in high school, like friend tournaments and stuff out of John boats or whatever. Yeah. And then when I got out of high school, I fished basketball tournaments out of you know i was always typically a co-angler or or if i used one of my john boats mm -hmm. and uh i can just i can still remember some fish you know what i mean that i wish i just had on video but the yeah. kayak thing's been really cool I, so i'm from massachusetts okay. and uh we moved out here in 2019 and when i got here i, I was fishing um indiana bass federation tournaments okay and uh, as a co-angler and so kind of transition how to get the kayak thing. So I, I bought a John boat and I, you know, decked it out and bow mount and the whole, you know, like a little mini bass boat. And, uh, you, there's like no tournaments here that you can do with John boats really. Okay. And I wanted to fish tournaments and, uh, GRBY kind of popped up because, uh, a local guy, Aaron Mollinger, he, he lives over here and he fishes out of a kayak. And I knew some people back home in Massachusetts, um, like Derek Brundle, um ken wood those guys they uh run um massachusetts kayak fishing and so i'm like oh, i'm gonna check out a kayak and i got that a new canoe pursuit and got the bow mountain it's amazing but uh, it's so much more fun like the tournaments okay and now you, you're just you're getting into the tournament thing right with the kayaks you know i i just got into the knucklehead and i was hesitant i've shared this before i was so i'm going to keep it short i was hesitant on getting into tournament fishing because i enjoyed mm -hmm. it as therapy right and yeah. i am uber competitive yeah. and i didn't want to ruin it for me but yeah. how kbf set up month-long tournaments i can get out there when i can it just made yeah. it the next level for me um yeah. and i actually enjoyed it a lot more than i thought and a lot of it wasn't necessarily the tournament, although that was a blast. Mm -hmm. It was who I was connecting with along the way. Um, yeah. Because it's like a four-month tournament and then a weekend tournament. So it was like a big, long, entire year ordeal. But I liked it. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I'll piggyback on that. Like, the guys I've met in the kayak scene are some of the best I've met. Mm. Like, you know, everyone's, like, willing to help or give you tips or whatever. It's, like, competitive, but not so cutthroat yeah. like the bass boat world is and so yeah. i really love that. that that's been great speaking of cutthroat in the bass boat world <laughs> right before <laughs> i i had you on i literally like an, a half hour ago um i kept seeing all these things on my youtube feed 
Ben Milliken and Randy Blockett just like throwing down. I guess Bass After Dark podcast had them both on at the same time. Oh, they trash. did? Yeah. Oh, they I did. Yeah, there's like two moderators and and Ben and Randy <laughs> and you know Spotlight and Bass and blah blah blah. blah, 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 blah. And, he's, and Milliken's taking shot. Randy Milliken's taking shots at at Faust. Um, and I was just thinking, okay, everybody's a businessman, right? Randy's a businessman, yeah. Milliken's a businessman. Are like, are they in on this? Do they really don't like each other, or are they playing us all? And everybody, you know, they're winning at the end of the day. Did you watch any? Did you see any of those? So I've seen like. Uh millikan's like videos on like the industry and like in some of his videos he's talked about like making comments about randy and i've i'll watch randy's videos sometimes just to giggle because i like we talked about i feel like the youtube side of it for randy has really brought him back in the limelight and so like sponsor wise and stuff uh-huh. it's been great for him because there's you know, a group of people who are very vocal that are anti forward facing sonar. Yeah. And so like he gets all those clicks and views with those, you know, those titles to his videos and whatnot. And I feel like he feeds into that more to continue getting those clicks and views. It was interesting. And this is interesting. I didn't realize this, but Tyler Duncan just chimed in. He said, yeah, they did a surprise debate. Ben and Randy didn't even know they were both going to be on at the same time. I gotta watch that now. I was watching Money Bass and he was doing a kind of highlights thing, and that's all I had time for. Oh man. Yeah, I'm definitely watching that as soon as we get off. (laughs) It was it's kind of brutal. Now he was doing a highlight series of like, okay, Ben had the standalone video, and then Randy has a standalone video. Randy, I guess in the past hasn't historically responded, but it's been so like barraging that he finally responded. Oh, it's fascinating. Just fascinating. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. And some of the stuff he says, like, I can understand what he's saying. But from everything that I've, like, you know, he's always talking about the resources and how it's going to kill all the bass, basically. Yeah. But, like, BTL, uh, Alex Rudd, um, Bass Fishing HQ, they've had biologists on, and none of them are worried about it. Mm. And, and, like, I think Bass Fishing HQ had, like, a, a study on, like, Texas parks and wildlife and they're using forward-facing sonar to do conservation stuff okay and they're already seeing like a percentage of fish once they get hit with the beam swim off really like they're yeah they're already getting and like if you talk to anyone with forward-facing sonar that's had it since the beginning like in the beginning it was like you know shooting fish in a barrel right now like because they can hear that beam right they're they're gonna adapt you know that's why like it's getting harder and harder for that kind of fishing. Hmm. Interesting. I always wonder about that. My buddy is actually in the comments right now, illuminate and we go fishing a bunch around here. He's like, Hey, I'm going to turn off my, my sonar right now. I was like, yeah, cause we're on a highly pressured lake. They're getting it. They're getting it all the time. <clears throat> and so yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I noticed the difference between on and off, but right. hey, if you're coming up short, you, you know, you try everything. <laughs> you try oh, yeah, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Illuminathan says they're going to milk this feud for views. Absolutely. Like I said, yeah. they are businessmen yeah. at the end of the day. And yeah. this is wild and crazy. But yeah, go check that out. And, uh, you know, I'd love to do, I don't know, Gramps, I got to have you on sometime. We'll do like a reaction video to this because I'm, <laughs> I, I just love like starting it and stopping it. Like, hey, what? It, it'd just be fascinating to me um, to have a little fun with it. I honestly don't have a strong opinion about spotlighting bass because I can't afford yeah. <laughs> can't afford yeah, the technology yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, not year, I, I bought a new uh whole rig this year yeah and uh it was like either i buy a forward facing sonar and a new battery for it or i bought a new rig so i ended up getting the new boat it's it's expensive even if you go used uh it's just like you gotta get the mount the unit the battery uh-huh you know like the transducer it, it adds up quick real real quick well, let's start here, and then let's start. Um, let's start with your kayak and start entering into some of our conversation around cool. offshore bass fishing. So, tell you had a pursuit, new canoe, and it sounds yep. like you stay you stayed with new canoe. Yes, for your, yeah. for your upgrade. So I had um I had the new canoe pursuit for like a season and a half, and it was it was a good boat. Um, there was a few things I, I wasn't. It's that boat is more like a river boat, and I had it set up more like 
you know, like with the bio mount and stuff. And uh, so I wanted to stick with Nuke Nuke because I love their their platform, you know, the wide open deck. Yeah. And uh, it seemed like the Unlimited, everything that, you know, I wouldn't say I didn't like about the Pursuit. I just wish it was changed. They changed it in the Unlimited. And so I was like, um, a local guy had one. He, he used it for a couple hours and then, you know, sold it. So I, I bought it and uh, it, yeah. it's been, yeah, yeah I, I saved a, a bunch of money on it. But uh, I, I love it, dude. It, it drains water. It handles rough water. You know, the bottom, it's like fishing out of a boat. It's amazing. Huh. You're a pretty sweet setup. I liked it uh, when you went through it. If you're interested in his setup after the video, go and head over to his YouTube channel. It's your latest, I believe. Your latest video was your walkthrough, uh, right? No, I think it was like two videos back, I think. Okay. But it, it should pop up. It's pretty recent. Uh, Southwest Indiana Outdoors just chimed in. He's like, hey, I watch his videos and love how he goes over his electronics, which makes sense <laughs> considering <laughs> what your background is. And uh, I actually had someone early on. Let me head back up this. I started. Can we continue the 24-volt conversation <laughs> uh, a little bit? You know what? Maybe I'll, what I'll do is I'm putting together that video of how to create that battery box. I might bring in um, Nate on that on that video. We'll see. But yeah. stay tuned. Stay tuned. Because I need someone. I got some questions that I can't answer. I'm not, I'm not a wizard there. All right. So you got your kayak. Yep. Bow mounted. And by the look up some of the comments from, from uh, Fishing with Gramps or Hickman Outdoors. He's like, if Nate gets forward facing sonar, it's all over for us in Indiana. <laughs> Because he said you are a side imaging and down imaging wizard, so let's talk. Let's let, let's let, let's let that be our segue into okay. offshore fishing, right? Because I believe the majority of kayak anglers, when I see them bouncing around uh, a lake, they're all just covering any of the cover they see along yeah. the edge, all on the edge. Rarely do you see a kayaker offshore, um, and so walk us through why you feel like that's one of your core competencies and then walk us through how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, um, even like in the early two thousands, I've always had like a fish finder cause I always followed competitive fishing, you know, since I was a kid Okay. and that was always like, you know, the early two thousand side imaging just came out and I could never afford one, but I was always, always had 2d. And I remember like one of the first fish I caught because of two day, 2d and it just like blew my mind that like oh i just saw it on the screen and then i caught it right and so since then uh i just kind of been obsessed with that and it wasn't really until uh like two years ago when i got like like a, a good unit and uh i just kind of spent the time like kind of figuring it out and so like a lot of people they don't have any confidence either in what they see on their unit or mm -hmm. with fishing open water because it's so much easier like if you're going on the bank and you see a lay down and you're like fish live on lay downs right you know what i mean i've caught fish on lay downs so then people just kind of especially if the fishing's tough they're just like i'm gonna do what i know yep but the majority of like if say i go to like a new lake and i want you know say it's june i know it's post-spawn fish should be offshore I've never been to the lake. The first thing I'm going to do is just going to look at the mapping. Before I even turn a fish finder on, I'm going to use Navionics on my phone and just point out like the obvious stuff like, oh, here's a big point or it gets shallow right here and it's you know away from the bank or a hump or something. And then I just scan over them and if there's fish there, I fish. If there's not, usually I won't until I figure out like, okay, fish are on brush piles or they're on hard spots or they're around bait and 10 foot. You know what I mean? And, and so it's just like the obvious stuff. So like two years ago when I finally got side imaging, I felt the same way. Like I drive around like, ah, I don't see any fish or I don't know where to like begin. Cause like, it's a big lake, you know what I mean? Right. And that's when I started like getting into mapping and that's what changed the way I fish. Okay. Keep talking. Like, it just like before you even go fishing, just look at the map and just the obvious stuff. Like, okay, I'm going to, I know I'm launching on this Creek arm and then there's two points and there looks like there's like a ditch over here. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just, just start driving over them. And you, you don't even need to have like, like my unit, for instance, it's a Lawrence TI two. It's okay. a 12 inch. And that's like Lawrence is like mid-level. 
and it's honestly discontinued now. Uh, the Elite FS uh, kind of took its place, um, but it's a. I think they came out in 2018, so you don't need like the biggest or greatest units to do it. You know, really, you can do a lot of what I do with just 2D. Right. You know, you could do it with like a four-inch screen or whatever, and it's just you just gotta like believe what you see. Like I could send you some uh, screenshots if you want. Maybe later you could post them or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, just just figuring out how to set up your unit and then just spending the time using it is a big hump for a lot of people. But once you get over it, uh, it's just a lot easier to understand. And we can go into that if you want. Yeah, and that's the learning curve, right? That's why yeah. you know a lot of I would imagine a lot of guys and girls when they get out on the weekend, they're like, okay. I get out just maybe a Saturday morning when I'm lucky. And yeah. so am I going to spend that time on, on the learning curve, how to fish right. offshore, or am I just going to go back to what I'm comfortable doing, which is going to get that fish off the lay down. Right. And so it's uh, I can see the, the issue here a lot, but it's, it's one of those things where, although it's not a secret, um, there's less people out there searching because I, I do surveys on my uh, channel all the time. And these surveys get anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 responses. Mm -hmm. And I've done this one a couple of times over the last couple of years is how many kayak anglers run fish finders, electronics. You would think that number would be high. It is very low. I'm talking really? like 30 to 40% say, yes, I run electronics. Most don't run wow. electronics, which is partially probably the reason i see most of them just hugging around the outside of yeah. the lake and very few there are some very few in the middle doing this so keep talking yeah let's let's, let's go deeper in this okay um so most guys are going to have like that five to seven inch fish finder yep and it's probably just 2d or down down imaging let's so let's just say you have that um so before like people get into because a lot of people like they'll see like my screenshots or whatever. And like, Oh, what are your settings? Right. The biggest thing it's not settings. It's proper installation of your transducer. So like unobstructed level transducer okay. and then clean and clean power. So like you're using a dedicated battery or, um, you know, like the battery using doesn't have like a ton of different stuff on it. And like the power wires, touching each other because you can get interference from like multiple you know uh wires being on top of each other okay you can get like a fuzzy screen but default settings clean power and your transducer installed properly you will be able to see fish on any fish finder that's come out in the last five years okay so pause for a second clean power so i'm thinking about creating this battery and like oh sweet it would be awesome if I also had USB ports, but you're just layering more interference on top of it. That's why you run a dedicated battery for your fish finder, I've noticed. Yep. And you can have other stuff off of the that battery, but you can't have like uh, your motor running off of that battery because what like it doesn't happen as much with lithiums because they there isn't as much voltage drop. So like say you have a lead acid or an AGM or whatever, and you, you're running your motor off of it. Yeah. If you plug that into your fish finder, when you turn that motor on, most likely you're going to get enough voltage drop that your fish finder is going to blink or it's going to get fuzzy or it could shut off. Um, so that's why a lot of people like, like bass boats, for instance, they they'll run either dedicated batteries for their fish finders or they use a cranking battery. Cause the only other thing that's on the crank battery is like maybe live walls or just the motor when they turn it on. Okay. Yeah. It just keeps, yeah. It keeps from getting interference and voltage drop is like the biggest thing. Cause if your unit is not getting 12 plus volts, you can have like a fuzzy screen or the transducer doesn't have enough power to actually beam out and see what it needs to see. So a lot of guys that have issues, it's just either their transducer is not level or like it, it's kind of picking up the hull of their boat. Right. Or, or they're having voltage, voltage drop issues. Okay. So this is fascinating. I didn't know this is where we're going to go today, but that makes complete sense to me now. And knowing your background in electronics holds a lot of weight. And then you're also talking about almost the, if like, for instance, I know you run a sidekick for your transducer off the side and yep. you were mentioning your video, 
the trim of that transducer because yep. when it starts hitting resistance from the water, it's eventually yep. going to flatten out where you want it. But as it sits with that, in, not in the water, you actually have it up at, at an angle. Yeah. So if like it's on sitting on the trailer and I have uh, the arm down, it's it's kind of tilted down. So like when I'm moving forward, the resistance of the water brings it up to where it's level. It's the same thing if you look at the back of a bass boat, you'll notice that the transducers aren't actually level. It's because like once the guy's sitting in the boat and the motor's on, the right. nose picks up. And so then the, the transducer levels up. That's why so many people have issues with, you know, their images is because most of the time it's just their transducers aren't level with the water. It's not level with the boat. It's level with the boat in the water. Okay. Okay. Because like if you're if your transducer is like kind of kicked up or kicked down, like as you're driving, it, it's it's not like shooting out the proper way. So like you can get you know weird interference or weird like things on the screen or everything kind of looks blurry, you know. And so like on side images, for instance, like fish are tiny. They're like little grains of rice is what it looks like. Okay. So like then if you add in your transducer kind of messed up. You know, it's going to be really hard to see. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Interesting. Now I, yeah. you got me thinking, because I've been looking at my side view, which is Garmin's way of saying side imaging. Yep. And I don't know whether or not, because I've been using it for the half of the season, and I'm not sure what I'm getting as a read. Looks good, because on my bona fide P1, P127, it has an in-hole in -hole mounting bracket yep. underneath the kayak and i guess i'm not sure if it's low enough or how low it needs to be um right. i just attached it to it and was like okay if they created the mount for it i have a gt56 it must mm -hmm. be must have yeah, a clearance yeah that's a good one too the 56 yeah i mean it's picking up great i just i, I wouldn't know because I, I have i don't have no basis to run it against right. would you if i were to show you like what it's pulling would you be able to be like oh yeah you're getting your interference yeah Interesting. All right. Well, we don't have to stay there, but these are the tips that are the juice folks. A lot of people are like, Oh, here goes the setting, the setting, the setting, change the contrast, change this. But these are some things that typically most videos, you don't hear this information. in. so I'm appreciative, Nate, that you're bringing this up. Now let's talk settings. Okay. Yeah. So like, um, uh, 2d, I run in 200 Hertz. Um, if you have a Lorance, you can have what's called a scope. And it's basically a vertical flasher. Uh, if you watched one of my latest videos, I did some crappie fishing. Yeah. And uh, I love vertical fishing for crappie and bass too. Um, but it's just, you, I use 2D. And then on the side of the screen with the 2D, they, Lawrence calls it A scope. I can't remember the actual name of it, but it's basically a vertical flasher. And it's okay. real time. So, like, you can watch your, your jig go down and like when you lift your jig up, you see it go up. And if a fish rises up, you see it. It's it's basically like old school forward facing sonar. All right. And a lot of guys, if people are ice fishermen, they've right. known about it forever with Vexlars. Um, that theirs are just circle instead of like a vertical up and down. Uh, and that kind of goes back to why I use a transducer arm. Um, so like if you want to do any vertical fishing or anything, you you need to drop your bait essentially right below the transducer. So on the unlimited, you can get a under hull transducer mount. Right. And if I do that, I can't really vertical fish in the wintertime and, and watch my jig go down and watch fish come up and eat it. Because so I'm the not- The cone like, is really tight at the top, right? Is what you're saying. You're yeah. And, right. And, and like, if I have to get over the jig, I'd have to like drop my lure down and then kind of drive over it a little bit. Got it. Um. But yeah, it's so I use 200 hertz. Um, I use their their standard color palette, um, color line, uh, 76 percent. Uh, it's nothing crazy, really. Um, I, I don't remember every setting right now, but uh, 
you know, if anyone has any questions, feel free to message me, but it really isn't like any like secret settings or anything. Got it. You're just, you're just adjusting it. So it's to your eyes, it yeah. looks good and you can, you can detect it. So that, that changes, I would imagine. Right. Um, yeah. And that's for 2d, um, down image. I don't use a ton of, uh, every once in a while I will in the summertime, um, just because like brush piles on 2d kind of just look like this big blob. Okay. And, uh, if there's fish in the brush pile and you drive right over me, you really can't, can't tell. tell. Right. Because it's just like one big blob and 2D will kind of, I mean, a down image will kind of separate the stuff. So like if you get the arms of like a tree or something, you'll see the dots of the fish. Um, but it's mainly just mapping 2D and side image is what I use 99% of the time. Nice. All right. Uh, side image. If, so settings. Um, I use 800 hertz a lot because I fish 25 feet or less. Uh, if you go any deeper, you'll want to go to 455. But I'm only scanning out 80 foot on each side. Okay. Um, and if I'm less than 15, I'm only scanning 60 feet. So, like, w when you're shooting out, like, you're on side image, the higher your frequency, the more detail, but the weaker it can shoot out. Got so it. Like, so if I'm in 10 feet, I think the rule is like, you don't want to be more than five times your depth or whatever. I just keep it no more than 80 and usually 60 feet if I'm in 15 foot or less. So uh, explain Hertz really fast. It's why, just the, why you're... So the 455 Hertz, it's a frequency that like the sonar ping goes out and the lower the Hertz, the more power it has, but the less detail. So like, if, if I wanted to like, say I'm fishing 20 feet of water and I want to drive over a big point and I want to look a hundred foot out, I would put it on 455 so I can look further out. But if I want, like say I find like a group of fish or a brush pile, I could turn around and put 800 on and look shorter, but I could see more detail. Okay. Okay. And now will that automatically change for you? You literally have to go in and start changing that in real time. You, yeah, you'd have to change it on the on your settings, but it, it's just you know clicking from one to the other. Yeah, um, you might have to change your your like uh, sensitivity or maybe like your color palette because four fifty five is like because it's stronger. It seems to be kind of washed out on my unit, like where it's like real bright. So I'll have to like turn it down a little bit. Uh, but really, uh, for most lakes, I my, I haven't touched my settings in a year. Okay. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know, I'll maybe change a color or something, depending on if it's like the sun's really beaming on my unit or something, you know, it's hard to see the screen sometimes. Um, but yeah, once you get it like pretty well dialed in, like you can just leave it. All right. This is great. I love, I didn't realize we were going to go electronics and stay here for so long, but you, you brought the heat. So thank you for that. I'm going to switch gears. Can you believe we're already 36 minutes in? We got some really? comments over here. I thought it's pretty awesome. Um, Randy Gisson Danner said, I'm really not into podcasts, but y'all great information. Well, thanks, Randy. Yeah, thank you. I mean, Roy, Ray, my bad. Appreciate that. Um, all right. So let's switch, switch gears again on everybody here. We talked about electronics. We're scanning where we got the right frequency. We find them. Now let's yep. get a little tactical. What are yep. your top five lures? What do you throw in if you see a brush pile? What do you see? What are you throwing if you're on this underwater point? You got this road bed, this creek bed. Does it change in your mind for what you're picking up and throwing out there? What are your top five? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, before we dive too far into it, I have to say one more thing. All right. Because a lot of guys, they'll say that their side image is fuzzy. Side imaging, you have to be moving. You have to be driving in straight lines at two to four miles per hour for it to look good. If you're sitting still, your screen is going to get all fuzzy and you won't be able to see stuff. All right. So this is Big Daddy USA. I don't know if you saw this. He said, the hard part for me is that at one mile per hour and seeing down a side imaging flow, is that now on the left or right side? I'm not quite sure what he meant by that. Do you understand what he meant by that? Maybe like when he's driving, he doesn't know if... If it's on his what what's on the left side of the screen is on the left of you and what's on the right side is the right of you unless you maybe unless you uh <laughs> installed your... oh i think he means like when you drive 
when you see something on the screen, is it like to the right of you or is it behind you? Okay. Because uh, 2D and down image and um, side image, you're actually seeing history. So like when you see it come up on your screen, it's actually, it's you've already driven by it. Right. It's over so your shoulder. Where, no. Right. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> before we hop into um, lures, JT wants to know, when you decided to go from mountain man to male model, <laughs> I saw some of your past videos. You have long hair, the beard, oh, yeah. and then you hop on right now. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've never grown my hair out that long, and it was cool, but I couldn't take it no more. It was, <laughs> it was so like hot and oh, brutal. Yeah, you usually had... I, have a, I have a big beard, but I when I cut the hair, I cut the beard too. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like I don't know. Um, that's funny. Thanks, JT, for that one. Appreciate the laugh. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. All right, hit us. You you found okay. what you found. Tell us what you're bringing out when and geek out a bit. Like, okay, I'm bringing out this color and and you know, summer's a great time for offshore, right? So yeah. that's yeah. when they're out there. And that's a prime so, time. Yep. Tell me what. Tell me what you're doing. All right. So say I find a brush pile um, in 15 feet of water and I drive over it and. I don't see a lot of fish, but say it looks like kind of fishy, or maybe I saw, maybe I think that's a fish. You know what I mean? Like, especially you guys that are, are new to this. So say you find a brush pile. So a lot of guys are confident in a jig, right? That's, I mean, you could fish anything offshore with a jig. So if you're already confident of that up shallow, pick up the jig. You mm. can't go wrong. Um, this right here is a, it's a three quarter ounce and the guy's on, you know, Spotify or whatever. Uh, it's just a big brush jig, uh, three quarter ounce. Uh, this is a Smodis Bates craw mattis in the back, just a big kicking craw. Um, you know, you want something big like that. Uh, in the summertime, a lot of bluegill and crappie and stuff, they, all those panfish, they get out there as does the shad, mm -hmm. but that, that big flapping jig, you know, it just represents a craw or those big bluegill and, uh, you want like for bottom baits, you want something, I personally like something heavier so okay. I can feel the bottom, you know, that brush pile, you can feel it and you can work through it or, uh, say you fish a, a point <clears throat> and that, that heavy bait, like a jig or, or like a, you know, ounce, a half ounce Texas rig, something that's heavy that you can feel bottom. You can tell when like, say the, there's a part of the point that's rocky or, you know, it's soft bottom, and then all of a sudden you kind of feel like it's like hitting something hard. Mm. Those are like, those are your key spots. Money That's, spots. Yep. That is like, you know, it's the size of, you know, two kayaks put together, and they're all going to hang out in that one spot. At one of my YouTube videos, um, I think it's my longest one, it's like 25 minutes, um, but I think it was titled like How I Use Side Scan to Catch yeah. Bass or something. And in that video, I caught the majority of my fish off a spot that seriously looked no more than like a five by five square. Yeah. And if I casted, you know, outside of that, wouldn't get bit. If I hit that one spot, it was like a rough spot. And every time I dragged into that rough spot, I would get bit. And that's like, so like a lot of guys are like, Oh, I thought I saw some fish, but like I never get bit. You have to find that little, that little tiny key spot. It's almost like bed fishing really. Like you find that one key spot and then all of a sudden you start getting bit. Uh, so the jig or a big Texas rig, like a, like a Texas rig worm, you know, like a 10 inch worm, that's a popular one or a shaky head. Yeah. Um, that's, that's another good one. A uh, uh, big shaky head. Um, I'll throw this big Smodis, uh salmon shot worm. It's a five inch worm on an eco rig or a big shaky head, like a half ounce Magnum shaky head. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are some really good, easy you know access kind of base people stuff they've already used uh another one uh, do you fish a drop shot at all um i have i've liked it i typically if i'm going to fish a drop shot i typically will just do a nico to make it easy but yeah, yeah. i know they're different and there's some nuances there but regardless i usually don't so, carry it um the drop shot I, I like a drop shot a lot offshore like sticking with the bottom baits um, and I, I'll Texas rig. This is a robo worm, um, Margar Margarita mutilator. You know, it's a real right. popular color. That's a four inch. 
you can Texas rig that. And I like baits, you know, like we're in kayaks, so we can't as much as I would love to bring 25 rods. I can't. <laughs> so I love lures where, you know, I fish offshore for a while and it's not working out or, you know, I'm driving by and I see that, you know, that big lay down. Yeah. You can throw these baits on that stuff. So you're not like, I, I like the baits you can throw both. You know what I mean? Uh, but that drop shot is a really good one too. Um, Texas rig for brush piles with a, uh, I, I throw a quarter ounce a lot or a three sixteenths. Okay. For what, you know, the heavier jig and Texas rig comes through brush piles really good, but not heavier drop shots. <laughs> so stay on the later, the lightest size you can. You know, I know sometimes quarter is a little light with the wind. You might have to go up to three eighths or five sixteenths or whatever, but they don't come through brush very good. <laughs> is there any particular, um, like cylinders or round ones that you prefer that you feel like could go through a little bit better? Yeah. I, um, lately it's been the teardrop this year. It's been the teardrop. Okay. I haven't, I haven't lost a lot of them last year. I was kind of on the cylinder for a while. And then I, I like probably lost 15 of them. <laughs> so I had to change it up. <laughs> you fish them a this, lot then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's tough sometimes because you do lose a lot of stuff fishing brush piles. And my favorite lake I like to fish is full of brush piles. So you do, you get better at it over time, but sometimes you just, you can't get it back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have no fear throwing directly in a big brush pile, but I'd say one brush pile every time I go fishing, I lose something in it. You know what I mean? It's just kind oh. of the nature of the beast. If you're not, if you're not getting caught up, I, I say you're typically not fishing in the right place. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So if you come yeah. home every time, you're not losing lures, and you're not yeah. catching fish. Well, that might be a clue. You're not you're not throwing where they're hiding a lot of the times. Um, yeah, question yeah. for you: um, You mentioned that a lot of times you're you're offshore, and you say they might be. I mean, sometimes they're just sitting. The, the, well, first, the beauty of offshore fishing is that you, when there's usually one, there's multiple. Yeah. Right. A lot of times when you're so. fishing shallow, you'll catch one. And you're not going to find a big bunch of large right. bass in one area that I found. But you're fishing offshore, they're usually grouped up and they school yes. a lot more. So when, you, when you're on the honey hole, you, a lot of times you pick up two or three in one spot, which is a whole heck of a lot of fun. So my question is now you have spot lock, right? Yeah. So you're going to be able to stay in one place, but the majority of people don't have spot lock. I have a pedal drive. I'm getting thrown around the wind. Do you throw a buoy out when you find that honey hole that's maybe five by five? Um, okay. I'm glad you asked this. So all of my motors I've had, like on the pursuit, I didn't have spot lock. Mm -hmm. All the John boats I've ever had, this is the first motor I've ever had with spot lock. So if you put your nose into the wind and you find a speed on your motor that keeps you from going forward and keeps you from going back. Now you are going to like, you know, the wind blows and then it kind of stops and then it blows again. So like, if you ever watch any of the videos in my new, in the pursuit, the red boat, yeah, you'll notice I'm never two hands on the rotten reel. It's always like click, 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 <laughs> click, 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 and like okay. you just get good with it. And same with the uh, like if I had a foot control, you know, it's a lot easier. You can just keep your foot on the motor the whole time. But um, yeah, this is the first spot lock motor I've ever had, and um, I used to use boobies. Yeah, um, you know, I would, you know, back then it was just 2D, so I'd drive straight over something, I'd see it on 2D, and I'd just throw it right <laughs> off real yep. quick. <laughs> and uh and it works it still works like i used them up until like two years ago yeah i still um, use them oh because i don't have a motor on it just i roll by yeah. and it's like oh it's 20 i see it on my sky side scan 20 feet out and as soon as yeah. it throws up i throw i throw out there and then i turn around and find it and and dial it in that's super yeah, helpful it's the biggest thing so like talking about seeing something and then fishing it um and it they're expensive but a heading sensor so like lawrence it's called a point one and garmin i think it's like an active captain or something or i can't remember the name of it but it's it's a the little gps pucks have you oh, seen okay. those i haven't keep talking okay so it's it's a just a external antenna and what it does is it hooks up to your unit and it puts a line on your mapping and it shows the direction of your boat at all times like have you ever noticed on your mapping, if you're sitting still, the map might spin or like you're not 100% sure the orientation of like where you're facing on the map. Mm -hmm. So with the heading sensor, like when I 
drive over a brush pile and I see a group of fish or I find a brush pile and I drop a waypoint, it's just like the buoy. So like I'll drop a waypoint on the map, I turn around and I get lined up with that heading sensor and I can hit that waypoint every cast. Okay. So I know exactly where, where I'm facing, how far away it is. They're worth the 300 bucks. Oh, I was going to ask you, you said they're expensive. I was like, oh, yeah. all right, what's, what's expensive? Well, $300. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard to find like, but when you drop a waypoint, it's so hard to like find it again. Right. Like have you ever dropped a waypoint and then drove over it again and not seen what you saw? Uh, about a thousand times. Yes. Yes. And it, and it's not that it's not there. It's just, you might be 10 foot to the left or 15 feet to the right. You're just not right over. Cause the cone of like a 2d or down imaging is pretty small, you know, cause we're fishing most of the time in 20 foot or less. Right. So like that cone angle is, is you're not seeing a huge area. Now side image, obviously you can see a bigger area, but that heading sensor is money. Like if you're thinking about getting forward face sonar, get heading sensor. Like, if, you're, <laughs> if you're dropping that cash, just yeah. just completely yeah. go into debt. Just don't go yeah, in a little bit into debt. Just go I mean, all forward facing sonar, you can obviously like find something and keep looking at it and you'll find it again. But for someone that doesn't have forward facing sonar, definitely get a heading sensor. I wouldn't be able to fish the way I do offshore without it. There's no way. Okay. So you so mentioned so you mentioned your Texas rig, your drop shot, your shaky yep. head, your football jig. Do you do yeah, the that's... flutter spoon at all? Do you do a crank I've... in those scenarios? Yep. So, um, yeah, let's get into moving baits. Uh, flutter spoon, I've caught some fish on it uh, on like a five inch. I haven't thrown like the magnum. Um, you really need a dedicated rod and setup for that. Right. And it just seems like I've thrown, I think I bought one seven inch and I lost it immediately. So it's like a commitment Ouch. if if you're gonna yeah because it was like 15 bucks <laughs> yeah yeah it was <laughs> and it, it's a commitment if you're gonna fish brush piles and that's what i fish a lot and uh this winter i'm gonna i'm gonna buy some more because I, I found a lot of hard spots this year that i'd like to fish a flutter spoon on it it just seems to get catch huge fish and i know not a lot of people throw it around here yep so yeah, i'm always I mean, kind of looking for that different thing of- Speaking of Milliken, I mean, he catches a lot of his oh, yeah. donkeys on spins. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Austin said, dang it, Nate, the old lady isn't going to be happy if he's spending another $300. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to that. Austin. You. Facts. Uh, uh, I lost them. And here's JT over here. Do it. Do it, Austin. Do it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we're supportive yeah. here. We're supportive yeah, of each other. Yeah, Spend you, away. You'll be happy, I promise you. <laughs> All right, so we've gone over the the bottom bits. Um, cranking, that's something I love to do, uh, especially offshore, whether it's brush piles or points. Or and when I say offshore, real quick, that I'm not that, that could be three feet of water, you know, just something that's off the bank. Um, but cranking's a big deal for sure. Like that's the first bait I'm picking up every time. Okay, because if you find a group of active fish, they're gonna bite immediately. Like if I Say I, I drive over a point and I see a bunch of fish and I turn, I drop a waypoint, turn around, I start fishing. I throw the crankbait, I throw a big, you know, swim bait, I throw the jig and I don't get bit, I'm gone. But I'm not spending more than five minutes on it. Oh, wow. Because it, it's just a timing deal. It, it seems to be like, um, so the, the lake that I fish a lot, uh, it's very popular. It's a power plant lake. I've never not seen more than like, there's always 30 plus boats on this. Lake. Sometimes a hundred boats. And Chill it's only, out. Yeah. It, and it's only 2000 acres. It's tiny. And, uh, so like it's a very popular offshore Lake, but you can see a guy on a brush pile that you know of and you're fishing kind of near him and you never see him catch a fish. You roll up and you catch him. Yeah. Or you, you're fishing a brush pile and you didn't catch any, you leave. And then a guy pulls up and he catches. It. It's just like a timing Man. deal. Right. 
and it, I feel like it's just like when the bait comes in at the right time or one, like, I don't know if you've watched any like four face and sonar videos where like one will follow it, like the bait, and then a second one will come up and suddenly it's like competitive. I, mm. I don't know if like what triggers them, but it's just a timing deal. So yeah, I won't spend a lot of time on them, but uh, a crankbait is definitely one of my favorites for sure. Oh, really, really quick before we hop into the crankbait, isn't that crazy how that works? Like I could literally, you're fishing with your buddies. You're fishing yeah. the same thing. You're fishing the same color. One it, person throws it, nothing, nothing, nothing. Second comes up and just absolutely is killing it. And yeah. it has to be a nuance there of yeah. something. I feel like no one fishes, like say you got 10 guys fish a jig. None of them fish it the same. The same way. Nope. And majority of them are going to have like a different trailer or a different weight. Like there's... You know, some days it doesn't matter. You could throw an all pink jig with the 10 inch worm on the back of it. They're going to eat it. Yeah. But other days, I'm not a big color guy, but, um, you know, some days like that certain weight or that certain kicking motion or not kicking motion plays a big deal. Yeah. So that's why I don't spend a lot of time on like offshore fish. I'll just keep going, but I'll come back. Like if I find a group of fish that doesn't bite, I'll be back in an hour. Okay. Some. And sometimes, you know, the second or third time, like sometimes I'll come back five times and sometimes they still don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we saw you an hour out. ago. It's not happening now. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes it can be for us. I've left uh, some lakes upset about, you know, cause I found a big wad of them or whatever and I just can't get them to bite. Or, yeah. But uh, yeah, so cranking, um, I, I grabbed a couple you know, real common plugs that are easily accessible. You know, everyone likes the Japanese stuff or the high-end stuff, but um, a lot of my crankbaits that I throw a lot are real, they're cheap. Right. Because uh, I'm throwing them in brush and sometimes <laughs> You're they don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but Strike King 5XD, um, this is the powder blue back. Uh, if anyone knows Keith Combs, the Bass Elite guy, he made that color real popular. Uh, but See, 5XD, would... what's that? I would never throw a color like that ever. Oh, really? I would never yeah. throw a neon, anything non-natural. I just don't, I just don't do it. So this is a good, uh, so I don't know how true it is. Uh, I know that it's chartreuse and I know that's like real bright white. And like, once it goes in the water, that turns real white. Uh, but allegedly in the, when the fish get first off of the bank and get offshore, allegedly that that powder blue is the deal i don't know that's what keith combs says so i throw it (laughs) i know people catch fish on them i just yeah i have my natural colors that i love during certain times of the year but and i'll throw the the natural color the only time so like like i said earlier like i'm not a big color guy uh so like this would be a color i'd throw if the water's a little dirty yep you know it's because of it the chartreuse will kind of pop and um like this color this is a spro um little john dd uh, i really like this color i throw this in the summertime a lot it's just white with the scales i throw the uh spro little john 50 is that right yep flat-sided yeah, i yeah. can't catch anything but catfish on that thing <laughs> i've caught yeah, more that's... catfish than bass on the spro yeah. little john 50. the cat daddy <laughs> it is for some that's reason fun. they hit it and i think i you know that moment you think you have your personal bass for about three seconds you realize yes. okay that thing's just making my line do this <laughs> oh my yeah, God. doing circles it's still fun uh, it's just not my personal best today no nah, yeah i'm too slimy for me <laughs> yeah a lot of my colors are pretty like 99 percent of my crankbait colors in the summer are going to be shad yep and, and just water clarity kind of dictates like what color, like actual color uh i love foiled baits you know like the i saw that yeah this is not really a foiled one but you know like the chrome sides uh, i'll throw that a lot but yeah here, I'll go through some of these these favorite ones. So like we talked about Spro Little John DD. That's a uh, like an 18 to 20 foot diver, but I'll throw it in 15 foot. You know, like even so with a crankbait, I want it to touch bottom. Yep. You're never really going to get bites if it's not, you know, deflecting or, you know, digging on the bottom. So even like a, a bigger plug like this, I'll throw it in shallower water. Um yeah, so your reel is is high high gear. Um, no, cranking reels, I like six five to one. How do you get it down fast enough? By the time it gets to, it's game over, and you haven't cut, touched the bottom. 
long casts yeah <laughs> yeah so what happens with the the fast ones is a lot of, like that's going to wear you out because the gears are bigger so it takes more work for you to reel in something with more resistance that's why a lot of guys like won't use like the crazy nine to ones or ten to ones for like punching or like real flipping like where you're just doing short pitches because when you try to reel a fish out of like a wad of grass or something it's harder to actually spin the real handle right uh but yeah six five to one uh 12 I've, all my crankbaits are 12 pound test um the only time i like like my lipless rod that's got 15 um the real big plugs i, I really haven't messed with like the 8xds or the 10xds like those real magnum plugs uh but Here's another one I like a lot. A lot of people throw DT10. Okay. This this is a this one gets bites. Like if I was gonna fish, you know, ten foot or under and offshore, you know, maybe fishing uh, creek channels or something where it meets the bank and it's you know that ten to twelve foot uh, DT10. I don't know what it is. It's almost like a flat side. It, it doesn't have like a real wide wobble. It's more of a swim, um, and it doesn't have really any rattles um so it's kind of like a finesse style crankbait that's a really good one uh berkeley dredger uh this is a 17 half foot that's that's a good crankbait too if you it's probably hard to see but if you notice all these crankbaits i have I have mustad triple grips every okay. single so you I, change out the hooks or do they come standard no i change all of them up uh, i there's very few baits i'll keep stock hooks on I just, so when I first got into cranking out, one, I wasn't throwing the right rod, but I was using like the stock hooks, like those old bronze ones. Remember those? Oh, yeah. And they rust after one time. Yeah. And I would hook a lot of fish because I noticed when I was fishing, like, you know, tournaments out of the back of guys' boats, not a lot of people threw a crankbait. And I'm like, why, why isn't anyone throwing crankbait? KVD like wins four classics on, you know, a crankbait. And so I started to get into it, but I would lose a ton of fish. Mm. You'd hook them, they jump once, and they come off. So KVD came out with those Mustad triple grips. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy them. They're kind of expensive. I'll try them. And I immediately was landing way more fish. But I was still losing some because I wasn't on the right rod. Right. Um, but I just stuck with them. And I just don't lose fish, like hardly ever on a crankbait. Hmm. Like I, I can think of one fish this year that I lost that mattered. What's mm. it, was, it was massive, but it broke me off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, so I put them on everything basically now, um, from little ones to big ones. I just, how much, how much of those run? I think the 11 pack is like eight bucks or nine That's bucks. not bad. No. And they last. That's another thing. So I've tried a bunch of different other hooks over the years and, uh, they'll be like super sticky sharp but the points roll over really quick. Uh, so like if you're fishing like riprap or something like that, or you catch 10, 12 fish, and then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, the points rolled over. Uh, so I got away with, you know, with a lot of ones. There's a lot of good hooks out there, don't get me wrong, but for whatever reason, this maybe it's the way I fight the fish or whatever, I just believe in the mustads and they're not crazy expensive and they last. Yeah. I mean, um, if it's noticeable, and you're saying it is, and you tournament fish a lot, yeah. Um, I mean, how much is, how much is that one fish that got away worth it? Right. Yeah. You know, the, the one you you remember in the past that you lose sleep over and you think about it all the time. Yep. How much would you have paid to land that? Exactly. And we already have all these sunk costs in kayaks, and so what's the extra? It's funny when we get down to the lures, we're like, oh, we want to save an extra couple of dollars on hooks. Yeah, exactly. you know I mean? It's not, yeah. not worth it at that point. No, um, no. And that's what like fish and brush or even offshore stuff, like you're going to get hung up sometimes. Definitely buy lure knockers. They'll save you. Um, but yeah, like you said, like I would rather spend an extra few dollars to catch five more small ones or one big one or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just worth it. And, and going back to cranking, uh, I notice a lot of guys when they're throwing a crankbait, it's just a cast and steady retrieve. Right. You got to create your own deflection. Yes. Yes. I don't do a lot of rod popping um, with deep plugs, but it's real fast stop, real fast stop, or, you know, steady stop. Like I'm always doing like a stop and go or, you know, crank real faster, 
you know, a second or two and then stop, you know, because that plug is going, when you start pulling it even harder or reeling harder, you know, it gets real crazy wide and then it's, you know, and then you stop and it sits there and then you steady again. You know, it's just like creating that reaction bite. Thousand percent. I don't personally love crankbait fishing. So I love talking with someone who does. Um, I typically don't do it. I do it in the spring. Yeah. And I, I tie on the KVD two point, I think it's two point five, so it's called. Yeah. Um, and it's like they're black and red. And around oh, here, okay, yeah. yeah, with a slow retrieve at like right after ice off, that thing absolutely slays consistently. Well, that thing is like low key, like a chatterbait. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's got that that real wild, 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 yeah. wild tail slap back and oh, forth. I thought Man. I brought one, but I, I got into crankbait fishing because of uh wiggle warts and they have a similar um action not so much as the 2.5 but that kind of hard thumping like erratic action and yeah. uh, they're super good on rock like rip wrap and stuff um but wiggle wart definitely want to try that one that one's yeah. really fun all right but I, I i love it because like crankbait fishing like when you get a big one and you're just you're cranking along they just load up on like that it's I don't know. Maybe it's the the flimsier rod I really like. There's just something about it when they smoke a crankbait. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, for you and me, season's coming to an end unless you're cocky fishing and you were catching some bass recently, like ten days ago or twenty days yeah. ago. Um, I can always tell by the the background, <laughs> like no leaves on the tree. All right, bro's fishing recently. Um, yep. I'm still editing. I still got like a terabyte of video I'm editing from this past summer. I'm catching up. Wow. On. But uh, just you just talking about. Yeah, you know, the bass is slamming and it just brings all the feels back. You're like, oh, oh it's a freaking spring. Why don't I live in Texas or somewhere down south? Well, just Tennessee or I south. I don't know how far away you live from Newton, Illinois, but I go over there a lot. The water's always 50 degrees or more. That's that power plant, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know that um, um, Gramps keeps talking to me about it. I'm about four hours from Indy. So it's, it's a little bit away. Yeah, I probably so have a power do. plant around here. I just need to discover to be completely yes. honest with you. Oh, um, dude, they're addicting. Like I live an hour and 25 minutes away from this lake and I go like <laughs> at least weekend. every other weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the water stays warm and, uh, which is cool, but it's just full of fish, like, and big ones. Like I'm all about the bite. You know what I mean? Like I love fighting them and stuff, but it's the bite that gets me. You know, whether it's on a, on a jig and they thump the jig or a topwater and they smoke it or, or something, you know, like when you're throwing a chatterbait and all of a sudden it's just there and mushy and you just lean into it. Like I'm all about the bite. So I love going places that have a lot of fish and they don't even have to be the biggest fish. Yeah. But yeah, I love lakes like that, that are just, just full of fish. It's addicting. Um, JT said it's two and a half hours for him, but he'll make, he'll make the drive. I mean, all three of us need to get together and just meet up and do yeah. it sometimes because it doesn't matter. Everything else is frozen. That one's not because it's a power plant. Right. Yep. I love I'll, I'll uh, throw this out there. This week, last year, I caught five for 25 pounds. Chill and out. Like two hours. Chill yeah. out. Throw in the A-rig. I really wish I had my GoPro. <laughs> of course. But when you don't take your GoPro, you know you're going to absolutely slay that day. So it's yeah. kind of this like catch-22. Yep. Um, Every time I forget my camera, something ludicrous happens. Yeah. And you're never going to be able to, like, a bald eagle will come down and grab your fish. Something you're like, no one will ever believe you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, kind of like how I threw my phone in the water last okay. week. <laughs> I saw that. My favorite video of yours was I just crashed into a boat. <laughs> oh, dude, that was awful. I was so happy I had the GoPro on because I was like, ah, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, my remote got wet. And it wasn't like working. And then finally I got it to work, but it was on full throttle and it wouldn't turn off. <laughs> I was, if you guys watch this video, it's just, he's just him sitting in his kayak and there's a boat probably 15, 20 feet away. And just all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> crash. <laughs> and then a few so choice fun. words. There was, uh, I bet there was probably four other tournament guys fishing around me. And as soon as I slammed in the boat, I unplugged my motor and I looked around like thinking they would have heard it or right. saw it. They didn't even, it was like I wasn't even there. I'm like, oh, no one saw this either. I'm like, oh, I had my GoPro going. There we go. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it was perfect. Well, Nate, we're at one hour and 10 minutes. Freaking oh, wow. awesome. Thank you for bringing 
your thoughts, um, the juice when it comes to electronics. I need to do a show like specifically about electronics because I feel like a lot yeah. of people either they don't they don't carry them, which I know a lot don't. And it's a really great way to get a lot of yardage in fishing, in my opinion. Yeah. A lot of times we focus on the, the nuances and tweaks and add these hooks to these lures. And that gives you a little bit of yardage. But man, if you really want to step up your game and get a lot, electronics is a way to do that, in my opinion. Yes. 100%. Um, and you don't have to go forward-facing sonar to get there. Like no. You, said, nope. you can spend a little and get a lot out of your fishing game. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we'll... we'll I got to bring you back. Uh, I want to have, I want to talk to you more about kind of battery boxes and stuff and getting ready. Yeah. I'm, I'm geeking out on that myself, but thank you for your time. Really appreciate oh, thank that. You. And guys, thank next you. week, uh, I, I'm not having a show because I got to travel for work out to Arizona, um, but we'll be back the following week. Man, we're getting close to Christmas, so this is going to be a good time. Nate, appreciate you. Hey guys, if you're not yet following him, head over to Nate Goodwin Fishing. Give him a sub. He's kicking out videos from time to time. And uh, yeah, man. I'll see you in a tournament it. somewhere. I'll have to get fishing down uh, over there in Indiana. Get a bunch of guys yeah. together. It'll be fun. Sounds good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yep. I'll see you. Thanks, everyone. Right, You've been listening to the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. Kayak fishing is a passion that runs through our veins. And our passion is to talk about every aspect of it, have a blast doing it, and laugh the whole way. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Window Fishing. You know, they say if people concentrated on the really important things in life, there'd be a shortage of fishing kayaks. <laughs> See you next time on the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast.